0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the All-Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops. My name is Charlie. Call sign is November Juliet 7 Victor. And with me this evening are the show's two co-hosts. got Brian, W7JET. Hey, everybody. And we have Dan, KC7MSU. Hello, everyone. And, of course, uh, we have our guests tonight. We're pleased to introduce to you the tonight's uh, two guests, Josh, WU7H. Howdy. And Daryl, WW7D. Hello, everyone. And they both uh, have multiple uh, Mountain Goat and Shack Sloth awards. We'll, we're looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that. And also, we have our regular characters here in the chat room. And so uh, we're happy to have uh, them join us, and you guys go ahead and ask any questions you have, and we'll, be try- we'll try our best to answer them. So first, let's get caught up on what we've been doing over the last two weeks, just to kind of see what's been going on, and then we'll jump right into the interview. So uh, Dan, why don't you start us off today?
1: Ah, all right. Yeah, it's kind of a quiet week. Uh, I didn't uh, get out to uh, do a Soda Summit. So I'm saving mine uh, for New Year's Eve. I think I'm going to plan on going out there and uh, doing a soda, uh, Santa soda night, or at least in the afternoon, anyways, and see how that goes. Other than that, it's been pretty quiet (laughs) on the uh, radio front this week.
0: Okay, how about you, Brian?
2: Let's see. Um, fairly busy radio week. Got some. uh, Got had a did some uh, reorganizing here in the shack. Went uh, with, with uh, out on a soda summit, did a dual activation with some guy named Charlie on Friday. <laughs> um, we uh, did Bill Williams Mountain and uh, Summit Mountain, which is a good time. Shot some video up there for uh, the club that we're in for uh, to promote the activity a little bit and some pictures. Weather was beautiful. Um, yesterday, what did I do yesterday? Not really sure what I did yesterday. I got to think about it. I, that's, I think that's actually when I kind of reorganized the shack here a little bit. And then uh, today had lunch again with uh, with the the gang the pre the pre the uh, pre live stream lunch so it's been a good week.
0: Ah, I was I was just telling the guys uh, our guests that uh, Brian and I we had we went to Dickies on Thursday and had barbecue. Then we went on a joint activation on Friday, and we took a break from each other on Saturday. But then we went again on uh, today and had Dickies again, and Brian joined us. And then here we are again at the live stream.
2: Yeah, I, I missed you yesterday, Charlie. It was it was a tough day without
0: you. All right. What about Josh and uh, Daryl? Let's let's uh, before we get going into your interview and uh, asking a little bit of uh, questions about you. Why don't we start with Josh? What have you what have you been up to the last couple of weeks?
3: I've been working a tremendous amount. Uh, the COVID stuff has really affected my work, so I've been working a lot of hours. And you may have noticed that I haven't been chasing much. Usually, I chase every day as much as I can. Uh, But lately, I've just had to turn the radio off and stay focused. So unfortunately, I haven't really been doing much radio-wise. But uh, that's all going to change here soon. So you should hear me making beeping sounds into the ether here again soon.
0: Good, cool. All right, Daryl, what about you?
4: Well, I've uh, mostly been chasing. Um, (coughs) I I, I think the last summit I did was a couple of weeks ago. I haven't logged it yet. I'm bad. But uh, work has been uh, incredibly busy until yesterday. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting out again. I, I'm hoping that uh, Josh and I'll go out sometime uh, midweek this week.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, why don't we uh, start then with kind of what you guys mentioned. Uh, let's, let's, let's find out a little bit about what you guys do for a living. Uh, Daryl, since you already have your, mute, your mic unmuted, why don't you tell us what you do for a living and, and how that's going?
4: Well, I'm an anthropologist and I uh, teach biological anthropology at the University of Washington.
0: Okay, good. And so that's why everything's just kind of uh, ended for you and you have a more available time then?
4: Yes, my uh, quarter just ended. The, I, I have a little bit of grading left to do, but uh, uh, not much.
0: Yeah. And what, what what's, uh, are your students all freshmen or what, 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 what are your classes? Are they entry level or advanced?
4: Uh, no, most, mostly I, I teach uh, upper undergraduate uh, level courses or graduate level courses. And this quarter I was teaching an upper uh,
3: level undergraduate course.
0: Cool. All right. Nice. What about you, Josh?
3: So I'm an IT director at the University of Washington, <coughs> and uh, that's how Daryl and I meet, met. We, we don't work for the same department, but we, uh, we know each other through work. Yeah. And uh, so I've just been, for the last eight months, re- working on various projects to refactor everything. All of our uh, school now is running online, so a lot of systems that we had to refactor to make that happen for, for students.
0: OK, so you're you're kind of the uh, behind the scenes trying to get the uh, the online stuff going for the college or the university, I should say. And then, uh, Daryl, what do you think? How do you how do you like the uh, how do you like the online teaching?
3: Um,
4: it has pros and cons. I, I like not having a commute, but uh, uh, it's definitely uh, odd teaching without any feedback whatsoever, uh, since most of the students have their uh, Mike's muted and their screens uh, turned off. So yeah, it's 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 different.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, and Josh, do you think that uh, you're uh, gonna stay as a uh, re- remote worker once uh, things get back to normal, or are you a remote uh, worker now?
3: I, I would like to go back to the office. It's, I mean, working from home is nice because there's no commute, but it it gets it gets kind of tedious. You know, just not having any any real interaction with other people gets. I mean, I'm already kind of uh, reclusive as an IT guy, but just being in my base 24-7 now, you know, it gets old. So I'll probably still work mostly from home. I was already working, you know, probably 50% remote before COVID happened. But I'm actually looking forward to going back to the office at some point.
0: Yeah. You know, I I really like working from home. I, I, like you, was working about 50% from home, and then once COVID hit, 100%. I've been working at home 100 percent now for for almost a year, actually, yeah, about a year. And then, uh, but I, I feel different. I'm like, I, I can I can work from home forever. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, it mostly works. The hours of Zoom meetings just gets really tiresome after a while.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about soda. That's why we're here, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said you wanted to, you guys wanted to get together maybe and do something coming up soon. So tell us about that.
3: Well, we haven't planned anything yet. Uh, it's been probably a solid month since we went out, which I think is the longest break that we've had since Daryl and I started doing mostly all of our activations together around what, 2017. Um, we usually go out every weekend or every other weekend. So this has been the longest break. And, you know, it's been due to my my work and just inability to have enough time off to go do anything. But, yeah, we uh, we haven't really planned anything yet, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. We're going to think we're going to talk about that later yeah. on today and try and figure out where we're going to go.
0: Well, what's it like up there right now? Then you guys are in Washington. So tell everybody what uh, what what the, what's the weather like then?
3: It's snow in the mountains big time. The passes are. Yeah, Rain in the lowlands
4: for the last uh, couple of weeks, except uh, of course on days when uh, work takes precedence.
0: Okay. Well, it sounds kind of extreme. Then uh, it doesn't sound like a, a desert hike to the top of a peak that overlooks a, ma- a, a city and uh, and then enjoy, you know, on a, a short sleeve shirt with a uh, with a you know a rubber ducky and then go back down and go back and eat at Dickies. It uh, sounds a little different.
3: <laughs> yeah, we have activations like that. It's usually in August. Yeah. <laughs> yes. the rest you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Eastern weird.
4: Washington. Eastern Washington is a desert in the summer, and uh, it's a snowfield
3: in the winter.
0: Okay, so you guys uh, love doing the doing the winter activations, then, I guess, huh?
3: There, it's fun. I mean, we we have uh, like we were talking about earlier. We we have some snow machines that we use to get to places. The main problem is uh, around here. All of the summits that you can get to in the wintertime require a really, really long, uh, I mean, if you can cross-country ski, but, you know, you can't drive into the trailheads. So basically you can't get to most of the places that you would want to go to. So we use the snow machines basically to get to the trailheads and then we snowshoe to summits from there. And we have a, we have a pretty good circuit of, uh, I don't know, about maybe 15 summits that we've done that way. So as a, as a snowmobile to get to the trailhead and then a snowshoe hike into the summit.
0: Wow. so that's your routine then huh uh, in the winter Yeah Yeah
4: sometimes we sometimes there are our uh, trailheads that are accessible you know by by four wheel drive vehicle and then just the snowshoe we've done plenty of that as well Um I haven't done any cross country skiing type uh summits but uh that's certainly an option and would save some time on some of the trips that we've done um
0: Okay. Well, why don't you share? I understand you have something, some uh, pictures or video or something you want to share with us. Kind of talk to us a little bit about the way you guys uh, do your activations and some of your uh, most interesting ones. Let's, let's see what you got.
3: So one of the funnest trips that we've done this way, um, another friend of ours, John K7JRO, he's, uh, he's into dog sledding. And so oh, wow. on one of the trips that we went on, we actually brought him along with us uh, with our snow machines and we pulled him behind the snow machine with on his dog sled. So I've got a little video clip of that. It it was a really fun day. Let me uh, share my screen here and you can check this out. So that's Daryl on the snow machine in front, and that's our friend John on uh, his uh, dog sled, uh, which normally would be pulled by dogs. And um, I'm behind with the camera, and uh, we have a, a helmet set, a system, so we basically were able to, Ron was giving me hands and doesn't want to go faster if you do to stop, and I had uh, to laid out there every time. And we pulled pull them like this for something like 25, 30 miles, I believe, two summits.
1: That is really amazing.
3: <laughs> That's it, a great
1: way to transport.
3: It worked really well, and it was, it was fun. We, we had to go so many ago, but it was a wow, It was it was a very fun day.
0: That's a, that looks like so much fun. I would love to do I something got like a that.
3: Of videos yeah. from that day, or a couple of uh, photos. Let me share that.
1: so are most of the roads are most of the way when you snowmobile and stuff do you got is that mostly on uh uh forest service roads and stuff generally or do you have to get off trail quite a bit
4: <coughs> uh th- <coughs> it's mostly on forest service roads there's a a, a snow park system in uh, washington state where uh, you pay extra money to uh tag your snow machine and uh, you get a pass so that you can uh, Uh, park in areas that they plow they use the money to plow and groom the trails so we're mostly on groomed trails though we adventure off groomed trails to hit some of the summits that are uh, a little bit away from the groomed trails um, at risk of uh, of course uh, getting stuck
1: yeah i would imagine you can encounter some pretty deep snow at times
4: uh yeah we mostly stay out of the really deep stuff but uh, every now and then we get adventurous our very first time out we we got a little too adventurous and uh um had some problems but uh, uh but m- uh, mostly it's worked out and and of course we're better at it now with practice uh so we'll see what we'll see what uh, happens this uh this year i'm i'm looking forward to uh uh i've i've been uh i've been working um hard on the snowmobiles uh, over the last few weeks doing lots of uh maintenance and rebuilding one of the engines and that kind of thing. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to going out and having fun.
0: So, uh, how, do, how, before you go out, Josh, let me just ask real quick, how do you guys, what's the difference between, um, your summer activations and your winter activations as far as do you, do you use your same radio you normally use? Do you set up the same way? I mean, what's your routine in the winter versus summer?
3: We just have to take a lot more gear with us in the winter. Um, in the winter, I always carry uh, more substantial shelter in case we get stuck out there, we carry a lot more warm gear, you know, extra food, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> we, we, we use the same radio setup. It's actually kind of easier in the winter because you can mostly just jam the pole down in the snow. You don't have to try <laughs> and find something to strap it to because, you know, usually you're trying to find some, something on the summit to strap the pole to. So usually you can just cram it in the, in the snow and it, it'll stay up just fine. Um, aside from that, it's we, we do pretty much the same thing. The fingers get a lot colder, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so when we do winter activations here, I mean I Dan and Brian can speak for themselves, I guess, but what I do is I take a tarp with me and I lay it down on top of the snow and then sit on the tarp just to kind of protect myself from that. but you got to be careful right from that your radio doesn't get uh, doesn't get wet so I usually put it on my pack that's laying on top of the tarp and then maybe put um, a jacket or something over the top of it. Is that kind of what you guys do? Yeah. I yeah. spread a tarp. I spread a blue tarp out. Same thing.
4: Yeah. yeah. We, I carry a tarp. We also have a boffy bag that, uh, uh, um, we've used, uh, on occasion. And, uh, once we even brought uh,
3: a couple times, actually, we've brought a uh, tent with us. Okay. Can you see this picture that I'm sharing? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's John and his dog sled. This was the day we went out and towed him. You can see the uh, the, the tow line hooked up to him there. That was uh, so we did first we did a summit called uh, Mount Lillian South. And when we got down, as you were saying earlier, Charlie had a, you got stuck once in a snow machine. Yes. That that snow machine wouldn't start for a while. We we think it got flooded. But so we that was our first uh, fun little trying to get it going. It took us a while, but we got it going. And then this was we were back out on the out on the groomed trail here, heading towards our second summit. And that's the view from the top of the second summit. This is a summit called Lion Rock. Um, it's a drive up in the summertime. And in the wintertime, it's a drive up if you have a snow machine because it's, you know, it's quite a long, I, I think it's, it's probably 15 miles or something from, from where the, uh, the parking area is for uh, unloading the snow machine.
0: Okay. So how do you, how did you, is this a cell phone picture? How do you take your video and pictures?
3: Yeah, I was just with my cell phone. Okay, cool. I don't usually carry any anything other than that <clears throat> nice picture though yeah it's a good it's a good picture it's just with my iphone Let's see if I've got a couple more here. yeah there there's the the snow machine and the uh and his dog sled in a view from the summit
1: It's amazing how in the winter time i I noticed this with Roland's photos and the winter time ones as well is that it just seems like everything is so crisp and and clear and stuff with the winter photos for some reason it's they're really amazing it might be just the contrast of the snow too but
3: yeah we get some amazing days in the winter when it's really clear and it's very crisp but we also get a lot of i mean we've been up on a lot of summits and blowing snow and you know it's just a crapshoot you never know we we try to go out on days when the weather's going to be good but Sometimes we're desperate to go out, and we just go if the weather's good or not. We don't care.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, let's see. So, what about chasing? Uh, you, you mentioned that a little bit in the pre-show. I don't think I don't recall you mentioning it here. And the reason I ask is because uh, I know both of you are, are um, humble. When it comes to your achievements in in uh, summits on the air, but let's just talk about it real quick. Uh, I think Josh, you have at least one go, if not two, and working on the third. Or what is it?
3: That's Daryl. He's got he just got his second goat. I'm I'm at one. Okay. I don't know. I, I've still got a long ways to go to
0: get a second one. Okay. Okay. So one and two, and then uh, also though, as far as chasing goes, you you guys both have mul- multiple uh, shacks lost, right? What what what's the number there?
3: I don't even remember i don't really keep track of that too much yeah i started chasing a whole bunch and noticed that i had a lot of points (laughs) i haven't haven't looked at it it recently but um i don't i don't i don't even know honestly i don't know how many points i have
4: yeah i don't i don't remember how many points i have either (laughs) i just chase because uh um i can do it and it helps out activators and uh and it you know keeps me doing soda stuff. So
0: That's a good philosophy. I mean, if uh, we always need the chasers, so that's great. I'm, I'm going to look it up while uh, Dan and Brian ask you a couple questions.
1: Well, I was kind of curious uh, about what you guys are using for antennas at your QTH for, for chasing.
4: Well, I have a hex beam for uh, 20 uh, and above, and a 80 meter delta loop that uh, works well on uh 40 and works okay on 30 and and of course um 75 and 80 it works fine with you know with a tuner um and then i i sometimes use a either a long wire or a dipole as well for and, for
3: and i mostly use a dipole it's up in my backyard i've got uh, some really tall trees in my property and uh it works really well it doesn't work that great into the east coast for me here but the southwest it works awesome i i'm right on the top of a, a ravine <clears throat> that slopes away steeply to the south and kind of the southwest and i think that really helps me a lot because i i uh and i have fairly low noise here which helps a lot so
1: yeah i get quite a bit of noise so that's one of my difficulties and uh so i'm kind of looking at what i'm going to put back up i primarily have been using dipoles in the past but uh kind of looking for something new to try out here at the at the house
4: uh, well, if you have the room, a de- a delta loop is a uh, is a uh, 80 meter delta loop fed by uh, ladder line is a is a is a, a pretty uh, good antenna I found for uh, for uh, all the uh, bands above 20 or below 20 actually. Uh, something else that Josh and I did that really uh, changed our chasing. Uh, it was actually earlier. It was it was last year sometime I guess. Is that we both got our station set up so that we could remotely. Um, operate the stations, um, from work. And, or I've made QSOs while riding the bus. I usually commute in by bus and, uh, um, I've uh, made plenty of QSOs on my laptop, uh, remotely. Um, interestingly, we we were both doing it sort of at the same time and we both arrived at different solutions. I had picked up, uh, one of these rig expert boxes that, uh, connects to my, uh, uh, TS, uh, uh, my Kenwood, uh, yeah, TS four eighty, and um, and uh, that's worked pretty well for me. Although uh, Josh uh, did sort of a total
3: homegrown solution. Yeah, I just did. A, I have a my shack computer. I would just leave it on, and it was connected to my my K two is my my primary rig, and uh, I was using the DX Lab um, Commander, and um, I just uh, used Team Viewer to to remote into my workstation, and then it was just all macros. And that worked really well for me. Um, and yeah, I was able to chase a lot from work. Uh, the only problem with that was it took me a while to, to figure out a way to pipe the audio in that had a low enough latency that it didn't totally make doing QSOs painful. Oh, okay. I ended up using, um, geez, I can't remember the name of it now, uh, Mumble. It's called Mumble, it's an open source uh, audio VOIP streaming. And I set that up and that, that worked the best. I, I tried several other things that just the latency was too bad and it, it would totally screw up my attempt to, to make it do so. so.
0: Let me ask uh, you this. Be- before we uh, get to the uh, chaser numbers that you guys have, uh, Josh, what, what, why don't you ask, answer the question for people who are watching, what is a chaser versus an activator? And kind of explain the two. And then Daryl, uh, why don't you, after you, after he answers that, why don't you tell tell us what your method is for chasing, how you know somebody's on, how you, how you chase kind of your routine. Okay, Josh.
3: Sure. So uh, activator is the guy that puts the radio in the backpack, puts the boots on and heads up onto the mountain to, to set up and make contacts. Um, and the chaser is the guy that's at home in the shack. Um, basically trying to make contacts with other people that are on mountains. And, uh, also when you're on the mountain, Daryl and I usually start out before we, what I call decloak, before we, we post <laughs> anything to let anyone know that we're up there, we, we will chase, uh, other, uh, other people to get the summit to summit, uh, contacts because okay. that's for us, uh, you know, the summit, to summits are the sweetest contacts. We love making those.
0: Yeah. That's when you have an activator on either summit and both of them are both activators and chasers. Right.
3: Yeah. If you chase if you're doing some summit summits you are a chaser you're just a chaser that happens to be sitting on a summit. Right.
4: Uh yeah, so my routine for chasing um I on my cell phone uh of course I I run an app um that uh, allows me to it's called Soda Spotter that uh gives me an alert I don't have it alert my phone, but I have a, a watch that connects. And so every time there's a spot that comes uh, in over the soda spotter, uh, it ends up making my wrist vibrate a little bit. Um, and then I can look at the display on the watch and see who it is and that kind of thing. Um, when I'm in front of my computer, I, uh, uh, I'll, I'll use soda watch three, as well as this uh, uh, spot filter app that uh, somebody developed that uh sends off a little foghorn whenever uh or or you can have a cw thing but that that's uh disruptive that's trying to copy CW. <laughs> um and so uh you know basically if i'm doing work out in the yard and somebody comes on and it's somebody that i think i can work i can uh if i'm able to take a break i'll i'll go in and work them Uh, so it, it allows me to catch most of the people and, you know, a lot of people, it's, they're like friends because I work them so often. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to miss them. So I'll, I'll run it. I've even, I've even, uh, this morning, actually, uh, I forgot who it was, but I, my watch went off when I still wanted to be sleeping in, in bed. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Oh it, was, yeah. oh, it was Steve, WG0AT, and I was like, oh, okay, I have to get up and work him. So I got out of bed and worked him, and then I went back to bed. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> well, because I wanted to say hi to Steve.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are the reason that us activators can continue. I mean, we really appreciate that. That's sacrifice, man, knowing that you do that. Yeah, that's cool. Josh, what's your routine for chasing?
3: Uh, it's similar to Daryl's. I use HamAlert to get the alerts. I also use that SodaFilter p- webpage that he was talking about. That's a really useful page, um, particularly because it, it, you can use it to log, and uh, it's a really easy way to log. Although now you can log right on the SodaWatch page, which is a <coughs> nice feature, but um, I mostly still use that that uh, SodaFilter page um, because it kind of keeps a running tab of all the people you've chased and uh, if another spot for them pops up you can have it so it doesn't show you that one so it only shows you the ones you're kind of going after and so then i'll you know after a while you've chased a lot of the same people you you kind of have an idea whether or not you'll you'll be able to hear them or not so you can kind of prioritize if you want to listen for that person or not
0: okay so so uh you get an award as a shack sloth uh when you you reach so many points of chasing right and and so that's a thousand points the most you can get on a chase most points you can get is 10 right or or is it is that right or is it 13 can you get bonus per points safety?
4: yeah i or, think chasers don't get bonus
3: points yeah you I don't, don't get bonus so. points for the chaser
0: yeah so i guess you'd have to chase what a, a hundred ten pointers in order to finally get that uh, mountain go- or that uh, shak sloth award right yeah All right, well, so, Daryl, you're number one in Washington with uh, 42 uh, Shack Sloth Awards. So you have 42,000 points. (laughs) And Josh is number three with uh, 18 Shack Sloth Awards, 18,000 points. That's pretty significant, I think.
1: That's a lot of
4: contacts. Yeah, that's an awful lot of contacts.
3: I mean, usually when we work, when we chase people— I'll hear Daryl, or he'll hear me, and we'll it will be one, and then the other. Sometimes, if I know he's busy, I'll let him go first, and vice versa, he'll let me go first. And you know, I I usually uh, have not as big a signal as he has because he runs more power than I do. But um, you know, I my my mo is I usually wait till the pileup dies down and then jump in. He'll a lot of times he'll bust pileups, but I don't have much luck with that, so I usually just wait.
4: Yeah, it's it's either it's it's usually good to get there really fast, or uh, if you if you don't make it, if you're not the first or second uh, uh, person to work uh, somebody who's just spotted, uh, then then uh, have patience and and wait.
0: Yeah. So most people, I mean, when I if I were to recognize somebody or Shaq sloth, I mean, it, it's important to get that thousand points, but you can get that in three months, maybe, or even sooner if you're really trying. Uh, yep. Whereas if we're a mountain goat, it's, it's a, more than a year usually, at least a couple. Uh, yeah. And so I think that a super sloth, I think somebody kind of coined that phrase, and it's kind of what we've, we go with, is kind of uh, pretty good. Uh, if you can reach a super sloth, that's, that's kind of where I, I kind of equate that to the mountain goat, uh, super sloth, which is 10, uh, 10 chasing, 10,000 points, basically. So it's 10 jack sloths. And so you guys are both super sloths and Josh almost twice and you four wow that's great uh, the, the chat room is impressed by, uh, by what you've accomplished alright I have two more questions one for each of you and then uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brian and Dan to ask you any f- f- further questions and then uh, I, you may still have a few more things you want to share with us and, and by all means let's, let's, let's talk about those and then we'll, we'll move on after you've done that so uh, first question is for Daryl and uh, Daryl I wanted to know uh, on your QRZ page, you're sitting in an airplane. So mm-hmm. tell us about that. What's that all about?
4: So uh, one of the other things I do when I'm not doing soda is um, uh, mobile contesting. And uh, that picture on QRZ is uh, from a few years ago during a UHF contest. And what I what I was doing was flying to different airports and setting up antennas and then oh. – uh, participating in the contest mm-hmm. and it allows me to activate a lot of uh, grids um, grids are the multipliers in in the UHF contests um, and uh, in some UHF or VHF contests you can um, you 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 get multipliers for every grid you activate as well those are the aRO uh, VHF contests so I, I I've done that since about, uh, I think 2012 or something like that is the first time I did it. Um, and I own a little, uh, Grumman Yankee, um, and it's got a sliding canopy. So my antenna actually ends up coming up out of the, uh, out of the plane itself. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. Wow. That's
1: the, that's the ultimate in, in roaming for the contest. That's for sure.
4: Uh, well, I don't, it turns out that over the years, I've, I've used the plane less and less because uh, it turns out, A, there's a lot of uncertainty because of weather, um, particularly in Washington state. Um, and secondly, um, uh, it, it takes a lot of time. And most airports are actually in holes. They're on flat areas that usually aren't on hills. And so around here, I can rove out of my, my truck um, and uh, do much better because I can get up uh, you know, I can get up over 3,000 feet, and that allows me to work up and down the coast to a lot of population areas,
0: so. Have you, uh, tried, have you, you made contacts while flying?
4: Well, the, the contests don't allow that, so, uh, I have, I have, I have made contacts that weren't in contests. Uh, when I was first, uh, experimenting with this, I, I took my, uh, FT-857 up there, and I, dragged a wire behind the plane and uh, um, messed with people by, by making a bunch of QSOs in the, um, in the uh, Texas QSO party. And, of course, they were all not certain that the contact was legal. <laughs> and so they said, well, what state are you flying over? Because I was uh, signing Aeronautical uh, Mobile. Um, and I was legal as a, as a QSO in, in Washington State because I was over the state. But.
0: Ah, okay, cool. Uh, I'll Let Brian and, and uh, Dan have any follow up on that on that particular thing. Well,
2: I was going uh, to Del Daryl. You know, obviously from my call, I've, I've got a little bit of flying going on too, and I've done aeronautical mobile um, two meters and four forty uh, only. Good time. <laughs> what I usually do is I, I have a, a throat mic for my HD that has an earbud that goes into the ear, so I can still wear the headset over the top of it, mm-hmm. and then I got the push button switch, and I'll velcro that to the yoke. On one side, so I know which button I'm pushing, depending upon who I need to, I need to talk to. I have a, a, a Piper Warrior, and I've done it in that a few times. And usually I, I beacon an APRS. And as a King Air, I fly on the side for a doctor. And when I'm, he does some long cross-country trips. So I've been over uh, the central U.S. at you know, 25,000, 26,000 feet on five two, And it's, it's an interesting thing when you're doing a pile up at that altitude because they can't hear each other at all. So you've got this massive doubling going on until the capture effect happens and then you you finally get the guy that breaks through. So I started doing it like a expedition would do where it's okay, I'll take the 8s right now or I'll take Kansas or I'll take you know whatever I can do to try and keep that pile up down because over over Kansas I'd be getting Oklahoma North Texas uh Nebraska, you know, all of that stuff full we'll through there no problem Four, five, six hundred 600 miles up up at that altitude. It's aeronautical always a good time. I haven't done HF though. Haven't been uh brave enough to stick a wire out because you know that the the warriors got that stabilator back there and all i can picture is that wire wrapping around it and me having a jammed elevator so i have not i have not done that yet
4: yeah it requires a good drogue uh, to keep the wire straight and yeah. um, i run i turn the tie down ring on the tails uh 90 degrees and run the wire through that and wow. uh, um so yeah uh uh i by the way, I did most of my training in a in a warrior so okay a fun plane I, I i enjoy that plane a lot the the plane I have is a much smaller plane it's a two seater um but uh I've done some v h f uh stuff as well It's fun going up over the puget Sound and you know calling c q and um, people work you to the novelty but i've also gone up and uh, done some soda chasing from uh, the plane as well
2: which that's is cool fun. that's really cool they the they doing the the v h f contests in the plane, as you were talking about, I'm like, that'd be kind of cool to do out here. I, I was thinking about, and we we don't, have, obviously have the weather challenges you guys do uh, most of the year. You can you can get around. We've got the kill IFR in, in July and August with the the thunderstorms, and then this time of year too when when the the, the weather moves and up in the mountains. But for the most part, Arizona is a a fly year round kind of state. I heard you talking. I heard you say you had a you use a 480 at home. I actually that that's been my um radio here my go-to radio and I, I I loved it I just just retired it for Kenwood 890 um, right after Thanksgiving I, it was the my as my wife put it my grown-up radio she wanted so we, we had discussed it and it was time to move up but I, I had that for eight years how do how do you like yours
4: I love it because uh, well in the first place I use it for mobile contesting um, out of the truck particularly but in in the plane as well um, and you know the remote head is nice but when I bring everything back in the house i have a little rack that has my radios and then it sits sort of far away from me and then the uh the, the remote head just sits in you know right next to my monitor so it makes yeah. it very convenient it doesn't take up any room
2: yeah that's how i liked about mine that was my first attraction it was like i could put it anywhere on the desk and move and leave the radio somewhere else and it left a lot of room on the desk to do stuff no. and now it's uh kind of changed but yep Pretty much, kind of exactly how mine looked. I had the radio on the floor, underneath somewhere else, up on a table, just to get it off the ground a little bit, and then everything up on top. Charlie's actually used that radio quite a bit.
0: Love it, man, for field yeah. day.
2: Yep, field day. That is the CW. If you worked the Superstition Amateur Radio Club on field day on CW in the last five years, that was the radio you talked got that somebody talked to you on.
0: All right, Dan, do you have anything anything for uh, Daryl before we move over to Josh? <laughs>
1: I uh, know you kind of answered my questions. I, I think the whole airplane, uh, you know, aeronautical mobile thing is pretty cool. So <laughs> I had a contact like that, but I, someday I'd like love to be able to get one.
0: Yeah, me too. All right, um, Josh. This question is something that I am interested in. I I don't know if the, other, the rest of the audience is or not. I, it's not really a good way to set it up, though. But uh, I'm just going to ask it, and that is. I know that you are a part of the soda organization in some way Mm -hmm. and I'm just curious how you got involved, uh, how you like it and what are some things that are, that uh, are interesting that you found in, in your role there that maybe some of us might be interested in, in knowing about.
3: Yeah. So I got involved. Um, I just was around a lot on the soda reflector and, uh, Andy, MM0FMF, he reached out. Uh, they, they had a, another person that was on the team that had quit that had been a long time member that had quit and they were looking for another person and they were interested in having somebody from North America join the team. And they asked if I was interested and I said, sure. And so it's been, um, we have another um, reflector that's similar to the regular sort of reflector but it's just for the management team. And that's where we discuss all kinds of things. And, uh, if you send an email to the, you know, the contact soda with a problem, that's, it goes to that reflector and, and we usually deal with that. And we kind of just tag team things that come in, any kind of issues. Um, so it's, it's been pretty interesting to, to be able to see all the discussions. It's a lot of things like when they people are forming new associations or, you know, questions come up. I mean, there's people constantly asking, well, how come this certain summit isn't part of the, you know, isn't a soda summit and, um, just lots of issues like that that come up that that you know I can read about and and participate in the in the uh, discussions with that. It's been pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I found it pretty interesting just kind of dealing with you on a few things. It's been nice to know somebody who's who's directly involved.
3: Yeah, there's been a lot. I mean, I'm on the the North America Slack. Obviously, that's how we met, and yeah. Um, so I've, a lot of people have contacted me through that with with issues. So it's been kind of a good conduit for. You know, people that are involved in the Slack group, to, if they have any kinds of problems, because I have access to the, you know, the database, and uh, if, if there's like features that people are interested in, or there's always people that are building different applications that want API access and that kind of thing.
0: All right. Uh, anything else? I mean, you guys have anything else to share? There's a few. You have a video or so, another video or more pictures or anything uh, or any, any more stories?
3: I got a couple photos. So. Uh, Aside from the uh, the um, snow machines, we also have a couple of dual sport motorcycles that we use because typically for us here, um, once we leave the highway going to summit, we have a long forest service road and a lot of bad forest service roads to get to our trailheads. And so we decided to, you know, instead of beating our vehicles to death on these these really bad roads, we, we both got a, a Daryl started before me, I think you had yours about a year before and then uh talked me into getting one and so that's typically what we do now is we haul them in a truck and then we park somewhere and then ride those up the bad roads which has been a really fun because the worse the road is the more fun the ride is and you can get places so much faster on those things and you're not beating your truck to death so i've got a couple of photos here let me yeah cool real quick so this was uh last winter and uh, this was uh, what we call snowmobiking, where we decided, that, well, oh, yeah, there's some snow, but we could probably make it on the bikes. So we you know, we went on the bikes, and we ended up riding in the snow, which is pretty fun. So that's uh, Daryl's Husky back there. He's got a Husqvarna, and, and I've got a, a TW200. You probably heard me on the Slack forum. I'm, I'm always pushing these TW200s to people that are interested in, in uh, getting into dual sporting for soda. It's a really good way to get to summits. Um, we ride down so many roads that would just scratch your car up because it's, you know, really bushy. And on a motorcycle, it's not a problem because you can ride right at the center of a narrow track. And um, we've encountered lots of fun obstacles. And that's, I mean, river crossings and things like that. The worse the road is, the more fun we have.
0: Cool.
4: Yeah, I actually can show a video okay. uh, of one of our adventures, uh, it, was, uh, it was actually this summer. Let's see, I think you should be able to see the video now. Yeah. So this is uh, going to a summit called Pock Peak and it's actually on a four by four trail, but this is not a trail that you'd want to take um, you it, you it's pretty rocky so um josh is going to pass me up and then i'll follow him
0: dang this is a uh, motorcycle again
4: yeah this is um this is by motorcycle yeah
0: so fun come on josh you guys know how to do your you know how to do soda activations man
2: yeah
1: Yeah, it's a great adventure
3: <laughs> it's yeah fun. it's pretty yeah. darn
0: fun
4: we occasionally do single track, uh, you know, which is motorcycle only. And there's some places where it's legal around here, but uh, um, uh, I, I'm too old for that, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: It's, yeah it takes a lot of work and a lot of skill to, to do well on some of the single track around here. Yeah, yeah. We're,
1: we're pretty lucky in Arizona. Most of all the forest roads I've been on have been really pretty decent But boy, that's a, that's a real trail there.
0: Yeah. Really rocky.
1: Yeah.
3: We have a lot of really bad for service roads and uh, there's been a lot of soda summits that we've done that other people around here don't do just because the, you know, you have to drive for 10 miles on some road like this. And unless you have a motorcycle, you're not going to do it. And that's just to get to the trailhead. So you still, you know, we, we get up to the trailheads and then we still have to hike to the summits. So wow. it, it really, really helped a lot to have these bikes.
1: Yeah. At least doing it this way, it's, 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 a, it's a lot more fun. It's a big adventure, you know, either uh, by motorcycle or in the wintertime doing it on a snowmobile, that would definitely make it uh, a lot more enjoyable.
3: Yeah. Well, you couldn't get to some of these summits. Otherwise it just wouldn't be practical. I'm, I'm sure that somebody could, could probably four, four by four up this road, but you know, a lot of uh, other activators in Washington are kind of Subaru drivers, and this is probably a little beyond where a Subaru would go. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: a little bit. Yeah.
3: So is
1: uh, roads like this, did they used to lead to like uh, old mining or timber camps originally? And and so they never were really maintained by the Forest Service? Is that kind of why they're narrower and, and not as in good shape?
3: Yeah, it's mostly logging. 99% of the roads that we take are are logging and so they these areas If once they stop logging they just let the roads go most of them they just let them go
4: yeah uh, and this particular road happens to be in a in an off-road vehicle recreation area so it's intentionally bad uh, uh. But this is really the exception this is the one the one case where that's true but uh uh yeah, there's just roads that, the Forest Service doesn't maintain roads the way they used to. And um, so, <laughs> um, you know, the, the the roads are just getting worse and worse around here. I mean, there are some some hikes that are extremely popular in Washington State. Uh, um, um, yeah, I'm blanking on the name of the one I'm thinking of offhand, but uh, in, in any case, uh, uh, the forest service hasn't gone in and uh, filled in the potholes and so it's just a terrible uh experience just trying to drive the road to you know 10 15 miles to get up to the summit we have actually a lot of uh, summits like that that uh the the trailhead is just um the the experience in a you in know a tr- even a truck i mean josh and i both have uh pickup trucks that uh you know our four wheel four by fours, and and uh, and we just have a horrible experience uh, driving up some of these roads. So the motorcycles actually turns that around uh, because the, as Josh said, the worse the road is, the more fun it is.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, uh, transition here a little bit. Uh, really appreciate you guys and your stories and everything you've told us. Uh, let's transition to second half of show, which really is only fifteen minutes. But with, that's fine. I mean, we just kind of just kind of roll with it. Uh, Brian and and, and uh, Dan, if you have any questions uh, for them, uh, go ahead and, and ask on your turn to to bring up your your topics before you do. Uh, so, do you guys? Uh, let's start with with Brian. Do you have anything uh, for the group that you want to discuss, and then you can have any follow up questions too.
2: Well, I was thinking, I was I had one small follow up question for for Daryl and Josh. I I like to ask the question. It, it's gear evolution always we always start out with more and then pare down do you guys go through that same evolution very heavy pack and then you're like why why do i need this i haven't touched it in five activations i don't need it
3: (laughs) definitely uh when i first started out i was carrying like three times as much stuff as i have now um but we still carry probably a lot more than other people uh we both generally carry full hf just so we have backup capability and which is served us many times very well where one of us has forgotten something or we've had some kind of problem. I always carry a KX2 and a a link dipole and Daryl generally brings his KX3 and a link dipole. And you know, there've been times when it's like, oh, I forgot the cord for this. Oh, well, we'll use the other station. Um, Occasionally, if we're doing something really strenuous and we want to save weight, we'll just take my KX2 because it's lighter. But um, yeah, I mean, I used to carry a ton of extraneous crap that I don't bring yeah. anymore. And then there's uh, the
4: experience we had the last time Josh and I went out where uh, we took the motorcycles and uh, got ready to go and hopped on the motorcycles and drove you know, 15 miles to the, uh, uh, the trailhead to the summit. It was actually a brief hike, but um, I got off the motorcycle and I realized that I had left my backpack sitting by the truck Back uh, along oh, no. the interstate. Oh no! Oh no. <laughs> no. So we uh, we used Josh's radio, and I made four QSOs. I actually probably made about six or seven. And then I turned around and I I uh, hightailed it back to the truck, and my backpack was just sitting there leaning against the truck when I got back. Yeah, that Stupid. turned out
3: to be a fun day because then he went to the. We were doing two summits that day. Actually, I think we did three. He went to the second summit. I stayed on the first one. And uh, so then we got a summit to summit and then I took off and went to the second summit that he was on and, and worked that summit as well. So that it, it was unplanned, but it, it turned out to be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Dumbest dumbest thing I've ever forgotten to bring is a pen. I was, I was actually, it was, it was a rushed activation that I did in Colorado and Denver right before uh, I was supposed to start work. It was, uh, I was on an overnight there. And I had about six hours, so I ran out of the hotel, jumped in the rental car, ran over to this green mountain, a little one point zone, because I wanted to get a Colorado activation. I got up there, opened all my stuff up, had paper, no pen. Normally I have a pen in my little radio bag, no pen at all. So now I'm trying to sit there with my phone. I didn't have a watch, so I got the phone. I'm recording it, trying to yell the time out for each 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 one. And and anyway, it was a, it was a mess. <laughs> just dumb little things that you that you that you forget it's funny you forgot your whole pack i i couldn't see how you would do that on the motorcycle you get excited to get going and then you realize oh no (laughs) um yeah i got i think that's that's pretty much all i got i'm go ahead and take it dan
1: well i i kind of was uh hoping that both josh and daryl might chime in on this but so if uh somebody was traveling in from another state to do soda in washington which uh which is your favorite mountain that, that you would recommend for them to try?
3: Uh, my, my pick, without a doubt, and where I always try to take people when they come to visit, is uh, Mount Fremont. It's uh, really close to Mount Rainier. It's a pretty easy hike. It's a spectacular summit, and just it's a gorgeous eight-pointer. And it's right by Mount You, you leave from basically uh, the Mount Rainier um, trailhead. That's nice. my that's my number one pick. Yeah, we've had a couple people come to visit. Um, uh, we just had, uh, of course, uh, Chris and one CLC came and visited us a couple months ago, and we took him on uh, one that I probably wouldn't have taken anybody on because it was it turned out to be a pretty gnarly bushwhack, but we had we had a good time.
0: That was last minute decision, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, the first summit that we did
4: that day uh, is a good one for visitors, I guess. Um, but uh, Mount Fremont is, is if if Mount Rainier National Park is open, Mount Fremont is definitely a, a good one to take people to. Okay.
1: Well, it can't be a view of Mount Rainier either, so it's wonderful. It's a great view, so.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an excellent summit. It's a really, really great summit.
0: Anything else, Dan? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. Well, uh, guess what? Should I go into one of my topics? Sure. Let's you see. Go, Charlie. I'm gonna go with this. Um, let's see if I can put that down to where I can fit it in the screen here. Um, so what I sh- what I'm showing here, actually, you know what? Let me do it this way. Let me do um, share screen. That's the way to do it, right? Share, and then bring that back up did that do it I guess it kind of did see
3: a mountain topper
0: yeah so I want to talk a little bit about this yep, so, I saw
1: that in the chat room t- just a minute ago
0: yeah I so on that one so here we go I'm going to scroll down to Ellen this is R precision's website the mtr 3b production ended 820 so you cannot get an mtr 3b anymore uh it's out of production and they say um where do they mention this i think down in here so the MTR3B is completed and there's no more runs but they may do another one in 2022 so we will have to wait a couple of years uh the only thing you can get at this point from from LNR precision is this MTR 4B version 2 and what they're saying is that it is a uh the MTR 4b is is kind of the replacement for the MTR 3b because it has everything the MTR 3b has plus you know 80 meters and and uh, you can you can run up to 13 and a half watts I think or 13 and a half volts into it instead of just the 12 and a few things so they're saying hey if you wanted a MTR 3b then uh, you know you might as well just get the MTR 4b version 2 because it has everything anyway and they say uh, on the website they understand that uh, you might want the lower price point, so they'll in 2022 they'll have uh, another run, maybe. But here's the 13.8 volts. So that's nice. You can use more batteries with it, and I like the color red, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I heard I heard that was actually for you, Charlie. That, that's what the, I heard the, too.
0: I, <laughs> I really appreciate LNR Our Precision uh, recognizing uh, the uh, uh, Red Summit RF. Uh, 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 YouTube channel and making their their uh, latest production red. It's great. Plug so it in. Really it all,
4: in. really all radios should be all portable radios should be white so they don't overheat in the sun.
2: That would be smart. Yes. I was I was thinking bright orange so I could find it when I drop it. There you go.
3: It's a shame that the the uh, fourth band is 80 meters, though. I, it would have been better to be 17 meters, I think, because uh, for such a small radio, who wants to carry an 80-meter antenna with them up there?
0: Exactly. Uh, and I think I read in the chat or somewhere, in, in some, I can't remember exactly where I read it, but I I, I read that they are taking uh, it under advisement or under consideration. Maybe it was for the, the version one. They were talking about, Maybe making an, an option to do 17 meters or 60 meters, and I would be more interested in 60 myself. Oh, maybe not now. Uh, now that the cycle's starting to to pick up, yeah, 17 meters would have been my first choice. But yeah, but, yeah, but the, seven. Yeah, but the, but before that, over the last three years, I, I you know 60 meters is great for me. I, I I've been enjoying using that. So. so there you have it. If you wanted an MTR 3B, you're gonna have to buy a used one.
1: Well, it is nice that you get uh, a better voltage range, so that makes it a lot easier on battery selection. Yeah.
3: You know, I've been running my three, my original old school (laughs) MTR3 that doesn't have the, it just has the one little seven segment LED off of a three-cell LiPo and hasn't blown up yet. I don't even worry about it. It's like 12.6 volts fully charged. I think as long as your antenna is a reasonable match, it's not going to hurt it.
0: That's what they say. As long as your SWR is pretty good, you'll be fine
3: hasn't heard it yet, I've used it a ton. Yeah.
0: Let's see, something else I have is is uh, this here. This is a prototype, and this is a PW paddle that's been uh, assembled from a uh, just a circuit board. Uh, HamRadio.Solutions is going to make these available soon from the uh, V-Band website, and I've had a couple of these different prototypes. I have this one kind of on a jeweler's box, or a jeweler's uh, block, And I've been practicing with them, and they're really cool. So uh, look on the V-Band website, and pretty soon they're going to make those available for people as a kit. So that's pretty fun. And uh, I think, you know, that's about it for me. I'm going to just do a couple promotions here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Let's see. So Josh uh, with Ham Radio 2.0, he's uh, live streaming just after this live stream. Uh, So go catch him if you uh, want to stick around. And he's doing an episode on um, Christmas holiday shopping, I should say. Not Christmas, holiday shopping. Uh, but he has a few cool announcements that are coming out as, uh, pre- before that stream, uh, including an announcement about a new uh, technician, not a, uh, an extra class class. So a, uh, a class, a learning class uh, that will be made available for you if you want to learn uh, what needs to be uh, learned to get your extra class license. Uh, so check his uh, his stream out. And then uh, let me see. Let me pull this up. Next uh, next week, or not next week, but in two weeks, we have uh, uh, a great set of guests coming on. Let me make sure I pull this up and get the picture up here for the show. Open that up. Can you see that? Maybe, maybe not.
1: Not yet. Negatory.
0: How, how about if I share screen? Then now, There we go.
2: There we go. What do see?
0: Uh, those so. calls
2: aren't try. Those calls aren't familiar at all. Who are? Oh, no, who who are these people? <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Any, I don't think anybody that's worked out, that's worked so hard has ever worked either one of them.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure not. You know. <laughs> 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 so if any of you have ever worked uh, a HF station on a summit you more than likely will have one or both, of, probably both of these in your log. Uh, I, I, I can't, I think almost every activation I've gone on over the past three, four years, uh, I've worked Gary and Martha. I, 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 my understanding, I didn't check to verify, but my understanding is Gary is the top chaser in the in North America, or at least in the United States. Uh, so, and his wife, uh, Martha isn't far behind. Uh, she might be number two or three. But uh, they're a great team, and everybody loves to loves them, and that's, it's because they just are always there. You can always count on two contacts if you work in HF. I, I worked the
2: both of them from Hawaii. Uh, oh. They were of the seven contacts I made when I, when I was when I was on No Now Peak in, in Kauai. They were they were two of the seven.
0: Yeah. Oh, so some, somebody's saying they're not seeing anything. So let me just do it this way then.
1: Yeah, it's kind of cropped off, uh, Charlie, right. the, when it hits YouTube.
0: Well, let's try it this way then let me just make this to where it fits in the screen Is that any better no Dang it. not seeing anything you're not seeing anything hmm it's
1: always great when you get Gary and Martha though they're always fun to to get online
0: yeah all right well I I, I made an attempt to share the screen but uh, there that's, you go. Better.
1: that's better that's better okay
0: well, anyway, you'll see the card coming up here. I'll probably uh, get the uh, the promotions going on them in about a, about a week. So, as you know, our live streams every two every two weeks. So January third, I think maybe is that right? Let me look calendar here. Yeah. January third, they'll be on, and uh, they're excited. I just talked to to Gary today, and he's looking forward to, to coming on. So cool. All right, anything else, guys? You want to talk about or uh, Brian, Dan, Josh, Daryl? Nope. Oh.
2: Not that I can think of. No I've more. covered it. I think I'm kind of tapped out today.
0: I got, <laughs> okay. I got.
2: I got. My wife is. My wife is watching a football game at a, at a bar with some of her friends. And normally it's five o'clock feeding time for the cats. If you guys keep, me, keep seeing me look down, I got two cats right now that are circling me currently with knives and scissors getting ready to stab me or something here if I don't feed them. Soon.
4: I saw one of them go on that workbench behind you and pick up a, a, a knife, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah that was, that was, that was, that's the 14 pounder. I call him the chief negotiator. He, he's the first one to come. And then the little seven pounder will come up later and start using his cute
0: powers on me. Okay, uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on, agreeing to come and, and uh, visit with us. Interesting, interesting stories. Daryl, you two, I really appreciate you coming on, both of you. It, it was a it was a great time. I really learned a, a lot from you guys and really enjoyed your stories. Yeah. So uh, Merry Christmas yeah. to both of you.
3: Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah.
4: Thanks for having thanks, us on. Thanks for the invitation, Charlie, and uh, it's been a pleasure. I've uh, really
2: enjoyed this. Thanks, guys. Hi, thanks for coming. Great to meet you. Good luck with the plane, Daryl. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about that. You giving me some ideas.
4: Okay, great.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody.
2: Merry Christmas, Christmas,
0: guys. Merry Christmas to everybody in the chat room as well. All right, we'll see you. Bye.